All right. Today, today, we are talking about something that Jesus says is his biggest competition. This is this one thing will compete more than anything else for your thoughts and your affections and your devotion. Uh, and what this is, uh, is, is that it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, but it's not a God thing. And you, you know, because we've said it here before, uh, if a good thing becomes a God thing, then that's a bad thing, right? So what is this one thing that Jesus said would compete for your heart, for your mind, for our affections? What is it? I'm going to let him tell you, okay? Here it is. He said, you cannot serve God and money. Jesus said that. It's going to be money. Now, now, anytime you bring up money, people get all defensive and weird and wonky and, 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 and stressed. Don't. Because this ain't that. Right? Just breathe. Right now. Ah, relax. Why? Because I don't care how much money you have, how much money you don't have. I don't really care what you spend it on or what you didn't spend I don't want your money. And Jesus just wants to make sure your money doesn't have you. Doesn't have you. Hey, Marge, we picked a great week to go visit this weird church. Pastor's talking about money. Pastors always talk about money. Not this one. I only talk about money as often as Jesus does. And he just wants to make sure, because he loves you, that, that we don't let a tool become the ultimate for us. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want that to happen to us. So this isn't about guilt. This isn't about anything. This is about us thinking differently about money and about God. Now, we can tend, regardless of how old we are, we can tend to think wrong about money. I, I have been a fundraiser as my full-time job for longer than our daughter Quincy has been alive, right? That's my full-time job at Western right now. But when we lived in New Orleans, she was in kindergarten. And I was a fundraiser then, right? And she got in one of these conversations, as kids will, about, you know, what their parents do for a living. And so Quincy, little Quincy pipes up, oh yeah? Well, my dad goes up to people and tells them to give him their money. (laughs) When I picked her up that afternoon... Uh, the, the teacher wanted to talk with me and quiz me on whether or not my profession was legal. Right? I had some explaining to do. And it doesn't help that I look so much like a gangster. Anyway. But we want to talk about how you think about money. Let's think about it, right? It's not good. It's not bad. It's morally neutral. It is a tool. It is not evil if you have a lot of it. It is not good if you have none of it. It's just a thing. It's just a thing and we make it so much more. Right? Let's think about how we think and feel about money. It was the late 1800s, early 1900s. And John D. Rockefeller was the wealthiest man. This is before Zuckerberg. This is before Gates. Right? The wealthiest man in the whole world. And somebody asked him... How much is enough 
Do you know what he said? Here's what he said. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Now, by the way, he was a, a very generous Christian man, but, um, and he gave away tons, tons. But I would assume that for most of us, this is true. That what we would define as enough, this is reasonable, is more than what we currently have, right? Maybe a little bit more, maybe a lot more. I don't know. I don't really care. I just want you to take a minute. And in your mind, I want you to come up with a number that would be enough for you. Okay? Private. I'm not going to ask you to tell anybody. You and your spouse might compare uh, later just to see whether you were thinking the same thing. Now, you could put it in terms of an annual salary. You could put it in terms of a lump sum. doesn't matter. But we're going to be using this figure, okay? So it's important that you get it. Has everybody got it? What's enough? You got that. Okay, good. Now, I want to ask you a question based on this amount. How would having that amount of money make you feel? Now, I'm not interested in the churchy responses that you want people to hear you say. Like, really? How does this make you feel? Apparently numb and mute. So, anybody? Anybody? Content. What? Content. That's a good one. Anybody else? Safe. Good. What? 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 Anybody? Come on. Usually Tim is the only one who talks to me, and I can't get him to not. Yeah. Anything? I. What? What do you got, David? Security. Security. Okay. Good. Good. You guys are coming up. So I did this exercise, right? Here's what I came up with, right? A lot of the same. Secure, fearless, right? Protected, successful. Like a, a good quality of life, no worry, anxiety, free. Can you relate to any of that? Okay, now look at that list. Look at that list and whatever else you would have put on it. Will you agree with me that those are all good things? Those are all good things. I'll go even further. Scripture would say that those are all things that God wants for you. Okay, here's the question. The question is, what are you trusting in to provide those good things? God or money? See, that's where we get twisted. That's where we get twisted, right? So what we're going to do, we're going to go through each one of those things, and we're going to take a look at the way we could think, and then we're going to look at the way that God wants us to think, right? So I I need you to get your amount, because we're going to plug it into some of these thoughts every time it says enough money. I want you to just plug in your amount, right? So here we go. We're talking about security. So if I had, you might, security, good thing, right? You want it? We want it? God wants it for us? You might think, if I had enough money, that's where you plug in your thing, in the sentence, your number, right? If I had blank, I would feel secure. I could pay my bills. Nothing can happen that I can't handle. Now, David had a different way. A different way. In the Psalms, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. He's right with me. I shall not be shaken. Nothing can happen to me that he can't handle, regardless of what my bank account says. Right? So that's an alternative. Fearless, would you say? That's a good thing to be fearless. God would. Right? So you might think if I have blank, 
You're blank, right? If I have enough money, I won't have FOMO. I won't have fear of missing out. Or fear that my needs or wants won't be met. Now, the Apostle Paul promises the same thing from God. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Regardless of how much money we have. Protected. That's a great thing. You might think, if I have blank, if I have enough money, I can weather any storm. Scripture says, Isaiah says, For you have been a stronghold. God has been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy, in his distress, a shelter from the storm. God is our shelter. God is our protection. And, And sometimes when we have what we think is enough, we feel protected. And we're looking for money for that which God provides. Successful. Who wants to be a success? Success is good. Failure, not so much, right? Successful. So you might think having this amount of money is the measure of success. It turns out God has a different measure for success. In Jeremiah, it says, blessed, successful, honored, happy is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. If you trust in the Lord, you are a success regardless of what your in-laws think of you. It's true. It's true. Quality of life. That is a great thing, is it not? Quality of life. And you may think, if I have blank, if I have enough money, I'll have the life I most want. I can buy it. I can purchase it. That is what keeps me from having a high quality of life. Jesus would disagree. I'm going to go handheld. Okay? Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, against wanting stuff that other people have. For one's life, one's quality of life, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your quality of life does not consist in how much you have or don't have financially or what you can buy with it. And some of us will nod our heads and live like that is not true, that Jesus is lying to us. He goes on and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. No worry, anxiety. Who wants no worry? That's a good thing. God wants that for you. So you might think that if I have enough money, if I have blank, I don't have to worry about the future. Well, Paul writes, he says, you don't have to worry about the future anyway. You don't have to worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving for who God is and what he's already done and everything he's given you, let your requests be made known to God. Pray. And the peace of God that that evaporates worry, that evaporates anxiety, which surpasses all understanding, which means it's mind-blowing, right? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can have the worry-free life regardless of what you have or don't have financially. Okay, and last... 
freedom. Freedom. That's why Christ came. That's a good thing, right? So you may think, if I have blank, if I have enough money, I could go anywhere or do anything I want or need to. And Jesus has another definition for freedom. He says, if the Son sets you free, if I set you free, you will be free indeed, deeply, ultimately free. And if I don't, if you don't let me, you won't be. You'll just trade one sort of captivity for another kind. And when God sets you free, when Jesus sets you free, through a saving relationship with him, you can go anywhere and do anything that he wants you to do, and he will make it happen. That is ultimate freedom. Don't accept substitutes. The bottom line, the bottom line for us is this. For many of us, it's not that we're seeking bad things. It's that we often look for good things from the wrong source. We look to money to provide the good things that only God can supply. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have any money, so I guess I'm off the hook. (laughs) Guess again. You don't need to have money for money to become too ultimate to you. It can be the hope and the desire and the thought that if I did, that is what is most missing from the life that I most want to live. Or you can have a ton of money and realize in your heart and your soul that no matter what you buy, no matter what you purchase, no matter what you experience, that nothing will ever shake you from the ultimate reality of knowing that God And Jesus Christ, his love and salvation and hope and presence and peace and joy, that is what is and will always be ultimate. So it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Money, if we think about it wrong, can be a problem or it can be the tool that it's meant to be. Right? We have to get to the point that we really understand and believe what C.S. Lewis wrote. Take a look at the wisdom here. He who has God... And everything else has no more than he who has God only. He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. You can't improve upon ultimate infinity. You can't. And yet we try, right? That means that the person who has a love relationship with Jesus Christ and has a, a huge house and a vacation chalet and a, and a car that goes from zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds and all the, all the fancy stuff has no more than the person who has God alone. In other, in other words, if you and I really knew Jesus you would feel wealthy regardless of how much money you have or don't. Or don't. Now, Jesus told a more complete story. He says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You and I can't. Why not? Because if we follow the money, if we let money call the shots in our life, in our hearts, and in our thoughts, it will lead us to be and do very differently than what God would lead us to be and do. 
It does. And even though you and I have the... Look, let's just get real. We have the tendency to say, I am the only person alive who can do both of these things. You can't. You can't. God tells us that. So why try? You and I must decide who or what is going to call the shots in our desires, in our thoughts, in our affections, in what we chase. And you have the opportunity, regardless of the choices that you may or may not have made all along the way, to make the choice that God, that Jesus Christ is the ultimate value. And if you think all of this is is ridiculous, you're not alone. Because take a look what happened next. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They said, well, Jesus, you're off off the mark. And he's like, no, I made you. I know you. I know everything. So... Does that mean that we're not supposed to enjoy the good things that God has given us? Absolutely not. Paul wrote, as for the rich in this present age, charge them to enjoy it now because they're going to the hot place soon. I have to see if have to see if you're listening. He didn't say that. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Don't be proud. Don't make it feel like you think you're better than anybody else. Nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us all with everything to enjoy. So if God has given you some measure of a blessing to enjoy, then by all means, enjoy it. Enjoy it. But if you enjoy it and don't become haughty and don't set your hopes on it, but use it to worship Him and enjoy Him, then you're going to know that enjoying yourself His blessings is not the end game. That is not the highest and best use of all that you've been given. It's also to live generously and lavishly for other people who are not experiencing the love and the, and the flourishing and the blessing that God has put in your hands to redistribute. So it's both. It's not don't enjoy what he's given you. It is enjoy it as worship and share it because we want everybody to have that joy. Right? So try not to go to the polls because they, they tend to get us off base. But we want to make sure that nobody is missing out. Right? Now, in your friendships, you, or you have either said this or you've heard somebody say this. If I win the lottery... I'm going to do this and that and the other and the other, and I'm going to give this and I'm going to do that. I had, when I was a freshman, this is before Cherie, there, when I was a freshman, there was this girl I was crushing on who said, Tom, if I win the lottery, I'm going to buy you a new car. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. I didn't say this because, like, I said, no, you wouldn't. You won't even go to the movies with me. Right? Now, if we skip back a couple of sentences, Jesus shows that I was right. And you can know what you would do and what I would do if we won the lottery. Here's what he said. He says, one who is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much. And one who is 
dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. What this means is, you and I, were we to win the lottery, we'll do exactly what we do right now, just multiplied many times. Right? If you're generous with a little, you'll be generous with much. If you're stingy with a little, you'll be stingy with much. If you focus on money when you have a little, you'll focus on money if you have a lot. Our bank account doesn't change our hearts. It doesn't. Gaining or losing money doesn't change people's hearts. It reveals them. What's important? What's important? We'll stay important. So let's, wherever we are, decide what's important now. So however God takes us forward, we have that straight. Right? Now... We talked a lot about spiritual reasons to focus on God, but there's, there's a lot of non-spiritual reasons not to put your hope and your trust in money. One is you can lose it. You can lose it through theft or bad investments. Secondly, money is a currency, and currencies change in value. This is pr- pronounced Bitcoin. Bitcoin, right? Worth a lot today, worth bupkis tomorrow. You just don't know, right? Now, currency is only valued at what we collectively agree is its value. And when that changes, the value changes. Number three, there's a limit to what it can purchase. Arn Garborg. Not a household name. He's a Norwegian author. He's a novelist who lived at the late 1800s, early 1900s. He wrote this. He said, for money, you can have everything. It is said, no, that is not true. You can buy food, but not appetite. Medicine, but not health. Soft beds, but not sleep. Knowledge, but not intelligence. Glitter, but not comfort. Fun, but not pleasure, acquaintances, but not friendship, servants, but not faithfulness, gray hair, but not honor, quiet days, but not peace. The shell of all things you can get from money, but not the kernel. That cannot be had for money. Now, Garborg doesn't tell us where it can be found. Jesus does. He says, all of those things that you're looking at this tool to provide have already been provided for you by me. When you realize that, when you receive that, when you accept, then this tool can become a beautiful thing for you to enjoy and praise and worship me and redistribute for my glory and the blessing of people. That's true. That's true. Look, um, To find out the truth of what Garborg said, you need only leave the house, right? Leave the house and get to know somebody, anybody. I, by my job, spend the vast majority of my time with very wealthy people. And if you know any, try to find one that has done and bought and purchased and experienced everything they ever wanted as the ultimate. See how fulfilled they are if they counted on that. Psychology Today, a secular source, right? Good source, but just secular, has long reported on the dangers of growing up poor. 
The dangers of growing up poor, which was so striking when they recently reported this. In a surprising switch, the offspring of the affluent today are more distressed than other youth. They show disturbingly high rates of substance use, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, cheating, and stealing. It gives a whole new meaning to having it all. Their words, not mine. I'm not saying money is bad. I'm just saying if it was the answer, we would not expect to find this. And, and like right before we, we prayed for Ryan, we did something. We um, had an opportunity to have an offering, right? So I want us to correctly understand what that is. That is not just continuing the worship where we worship him with our money. It is that. But you know what that also is? It's therapy. It's therapy for you. It's therapy for me to realize and reaffirm this truth that you and I will go through our lives holding loosely to money and holding tightly to God. Much of your life, much of my life is determined by what we will hold loosely and what we will hold strongly. That offering is an opportunity for you and me to reaffirm that we're going to hold money loosely for his purposes and the blessing of people, but him. We're going to hold on to with all our might, just as he holds on to us with all his, because he's the source of ultimate value and blessing. I want you to imagine that um, if we turned it upside down and rather than receive an offering, we uh, at this church, this is just how we roll. Um, during that time, everybody who is here, uh, we're just going to pass around baskets of cash, right? And you, everybody who's here is going to get $500 for every time they attend. Now, word gets out that Bethany uh, is rolling this way. What's going to happen? Who's going to be here every week? Of course I'd be here every week. $2,000 a month would really change my life. I have no doubt that it would. Would it change your life more than a growing and thriving relationship with the God of the universe who creates, sustains, loves, and empowers and saves you? That's the question. No, it won't. Not as much as that. Here's the difference. One, we want a lot. The other, we think we can live without. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. Yeah, but you're not as fun as 500 bucks. I know. I know. I'm going to hear that from my family later. We got a lot to think about. I want you to think about this. The value of a thing, the value of anything, is how much some, someone is willing to pay for it. So what is your value? What is the value of you? you? You might be surprised by the answer. It's ultimate. Ultimate. Paul writes, for you know the grace the undeserved favor of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, had everything, yet for whose sake? Your sake. He became poor 
so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. If the value of something is whatever someone is willing to pay for it, then you are worth the life of Jesus Christ and nothing less. That is why no one, regardless of what they look like or what they've been into or struggling with, nobody gets put down. Nobody gets looked down on. You are worth him. To come, leave everything so that you could have everything in him. He came for you. He lived for you. He went to the cross to become your substitute for your sins in your place and rose again to give you new life. This blink of a time that we have is a time to trust, is a time to love, is a time to know him and make him known. And money can be a great tool to do that. But it can become a functional savior and a God substitute unless you and I are careful. Careful. Okay? I want to, before we eat, I want to ask you to get your number again. You got your number? It might have been a salary. It might have been a lump sum. I want you to just think of your number in your head right now. And I want to tell you a secret about that number. It's not enough. It's not enough. Whatever you're thinking, it's not enough. Only Jesus is enough. And when he is your enough, then you can find that joy. You can find that peace. You can find that enoughness no matter what your circumstances. And he calls us together as a family, as a community, not just the people who come to this place, but we, so that we can make sure that people are fed and clothed and loved and provided for so that they may know the God who loves them. Okay. If you are thinking differently about money or you want to and about God, this is how the gospel works. We don't talk about behavior modification. That's outside in, right? That would say, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this. The gospel's not that. God's not that. He changes us from the inside out, right? So if we're thinking differently about money and God, then we ask Jesus to change our hearts. And if and when he changes our hearts, which he desperately wants to do, then we'll hold money loosely in rejoicing and enjoying what he's given us and sharing it as good stewards. And we'll hold him with closed hands very tightly, just as he holds us. Money's not a bad thing. Don't listen to people who tell you it is. It's morally neutral. The danger 
is it is so easy for you and me because of culture, because of our own to look at it as provision and safety and security and freedom. And he's saying, no, if you know and you experience the fact that you already have those things in me bought and paid for, then you can handle money as I would. And you'll be free. And that's what he wants. So this is a chance not for us to say, I'm going to stop doing this. It's a chance for heart change. When our hearts change, the other stuff, the attitudes, the thoughts, the behavior takes care of itself. Let's pray. God, you are good. In, In fact, Lord, I confess that you are far better than I have ever realized. Right now, my friends and I, we just, we want to say that we have attached to different things um, that which is reserved for you. And, and Lord, right now, I would ask that you change our minds and our hearts about money and what it's meant to do and what you are meant to do. And, and please, Lord, please, Let us never get that confused because you only want to lead us into more life and more joy and more peace and more of you and just getting good things and making them God things will keep that from happening. So Lord, right now we want to dethrone everything in our hearts that we have said, that is what I need whether it's a thing, whether it's a person, whether it's an amount. And Lord, right now, we confess you are who we need. Mm -hmm. You are our greatest need. Mm -hmm. And while we ask that in desperation, we ask it in hope and joy because you're standing here, arms wide open saying, I was just waiting for you to get there. Come home. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.